You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo in studio with Andy Barrar. Got a great show for you today. Of course, we'll be going open line later in the program. We'll also be talking uh, about coding for kids. We'll uh, be speaking with a uh, elementary school teacher that uh, is uh, helping kids learn how to code and uh, just kind of understand the importance of that uh, as well in today's world. Yeah, like I remember there was coding when I was going to school. Yeah, you know what it, coding for us was? Typing class. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That but was it's it. such an important skill. If you, if you think about all, like how much we use technology and everything comes back to coding. Yes. And so I think get kids excited about coding really early and they're going to come up with great ideas. It, it's a fantastic skill. So we'll find out uh, how, how the kids uh, are, are learning that now and, and why they should mm-hmm. as well. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, news happening in the past 24 hours here, Andy. Uh, some uh, sad news, of course, uh, out of uh, Paris. Uh, from a technology uh, standpoint, uh, Facebook lit up their uh, uh, safety check-in feature, something I didn't really even know about or paid attention to. It's something they developed last year, uh, October of last year. It's only been used five times, and, and typically when there's natural disasters uh, yeah. going on. Uh, but uh, they've activated it uh, for the Paris attack as well. So uh, it, it's interesting. Essentially, it allows, uh, I guess, people in Paris, it's uh, geo-targeted, uh, to check in to let their family and friends know that they're safe, yes. essentially. Yeah. And this is what happens is when you, when you hear of an attack like this that happened in Paris, people who have f- friends and family in Paris, you want to know if they're okay. Yeah. And so Facebook, by having a billion active users, realized that, hey, we can actually help out with this and we can notify people. Like You could go onto Facebook and say, I'm okay. But like to your point, it's using the – it's geotargeting where you are based on you know, the GPS coordinates to really to, – to basically broadcast that for you. Because in a moment like that, you might be thinking of a whole bunch of other things about your safety. But people around the world now can know that you're okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I clicked on the link um, that brought up the, the safety check-in page, and uh, it basically shows me how many friends uh, are potentially in that area and how many have checked in safe and, and what have you. Uh, you know, Fortunately for me, there were, were no family or friends that are in that area, but I could see how that would bring, bring peace of mind to uh, a lot of people. Absolutely. When, we, when you see stuff like these kind of uh, incidents happening, it's, it's amazing how social media is being used. Uh, a lot of people are using hashtags to to get people to come if they needed shelter. Yeah, and, and it was hashtag, really... uh, and I'm pronouncing this horribly wrong, uh, port ouvre or open door, essentially yes. for, uh, I guess, people that are stranded and have no place to go in Paris. Exactly, and it's amazing because, like, nobody really taught us how to do this. It yeah. just kind of organically happens during these kind of events. People are using social media in such positive ways, and... Um, each time, it's just it's evolving more and more, especially not just getting the news, like the information, say, on like Twitter, but communicating with people on Facebook and trying to bring people together when, when, uh, when they need to. Yeah, an example as well, uh, Periscope, uh, Twitter's uh, video streaming service. Uh, we use it here on the radio show, and we are, in fact, uh, uh, broadcasting live on Periscope at Get Connected Now. But uh, so many different uh, people using Periscope uh, you know, during the tax, kind of yeah. showing their point of, of view. It, it makes me wonder about safety in a lot of those situations. So should yes. you be like periscoping <laughs> while something like that is going on? But for, for the end user who's watching that periscope feed, it's almost like you're there and you can really, it really hits home. And that's just the main, that's the thing is that we all are walking around with video cameras in our pockets all it's the like time. It's like our own satellite truck. Exactly. 
and and you're seeing news organizations try to embrace that. We're trying it right now. We're we're periscoping this radio show, and uh, it's just that's the way the technology is going, and um, it's very interesting to see. Do you think it's happens. a good thing? Like in a situation like that, I mean, a lot of danger involved, and here's people breaking out their smartphones and and trying to to broadcast. Like, are they putting themselves in danger? I, you could argue that, yes, but at the same time, it is. It's very powerful to see that that feed from wherever you are yeah. on your phone to have that Periscope feed. Um, it 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 really hits at home. But to your point, yeah, it it can be, I guess, dangerous because you're trying to be a, a, a videographer yeah. while while this incident is happening, and you got to make sure that you're safe before you would uh, try to do something like that. Well, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, the people uh, in Paris. In other tech news, uh, Apple. Because Apple's in our news every week now. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, they uh, are launching uh, their music streaming service on uh, Android now. So uh, for people who don't know, Apple has Apple Music. It's a subscription service, 10 bucks a month. Uh, gets you pretty well unlimited music to uh, any of your iPhone or iPad devices, your computer as well. Uh, they've just launched an app uh, for people that are running Android smartphones and tablets. So they can partake in the Apple Music goodness, essentially. Now, Apple Music came out in June. Yes. Hasn't been very long. They already have 15 million active users. Yeah. Six and a half million are paid subscribers to so, Apple Music. So they're number two now. Spotify's number one. They have 20 million paid users. And 70 million um, free users yeah. or total users. So the streaming wars have begun. Apple realizes if we just have Apple Music on, on iPhones... We are missing a huge target or base. Well, Android's base. about 52% of the market. Yes, exactly. And so what they realized is that we got to open it up. My question is, if Steve Jobs was around, do you think he would have done that? Oh, for sure. I mean, iTunes is available for everyone, essentially. Like when you look on um, the, uh, the computer platforms, uh, obviously it's available on Mac, but it's also available on Windows. They want to be able to reach the widest audience possible, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're in, a, in it to make money. Yes. So... Uh, you know, having your music service only available to 50% of mobile users is not a fantastic business model. Especially when your competitor yes. is on, on both. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's heating up. I, You know, the uh, Apple uh, shut down Beats Music this week. Oh, they did? Yeah. They're shutting it down. Why? Nobody's uh, listening to it? Well, no, I think they want to migrate everyone to Apple Music. I see. Okay. So uh, Apple bought Beats uh, Music uh a little while ago. Yeah. They make the headphones. They also had their own music subscription service uh, as well. So I don't think they wanted two music services going at the same time. So they're migrating everyone over to Apple Music. You know what's funny is nobody's talking about Tidal, the uh, streaming oh, service. Yeah, that's the other streaming service from Jay-Z and, and company. That must have been the worst launch ever. You get the 1% of artists on a stage saying, pay us money, go to our <laughs> streaming service. Support noble, artists. Noble, noble in theory. Yes. Noble in theory because, you know, honestly, with these subscription services, uh, it's a tough goal for a lot of artists because they're not getting lots of money out of it. It's not like the old days where they'd make, I think, more money on the CDs and albums and, and tapes and stuff like that. So, you know, they're getting point zero zero one cents for every stream that's happening. Mm -hmm. So what Tidal was trying to do, uh, it was 20 bucks a month yes. for, you know, you or me to subscribe basically double of anything else out there, but they wanted to give more money back to the artists. So noble in theory, but at the end of the day, you also have to understand market conditions. Are people going to pay twice as much so that the artists get more money? And and they were saying uncompressed audio, like it was yes. of, of the highest quality, but 
I don't think most people care. I I don't I don't only think so Neil either. Young cares about the uncompressed yes, yes. audio. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting. Uh, audio quality has gone down. There's no question. But I think for most people, like you said, they don't care or can't hear the difference. Well, really, well, think about it. Okay, so you're a Tidal subscriber. You're listening on your smartphone. Your, your smartphone doesn't have beautiful speakers on it. So no. what's the point of having this uncompressed, perfect audio if you don't even have a, the speaker system? Unless you have a great speaker system at home. Yeah, and then, people, and then that you're hitting a narrower market. Very, very narrow. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. I think Jay-Z thought that he had enough power, industry power, to to launch his own, bypass all everybody. Yeah, but I wonder, you know, was there any market research done? Will people pay that much? Because he, he essentially bought that from another, I think it was a Swedish company yeah. that had it. And so he basically bought it and said, okay, I'm going to take this to the next level and brought all his artist friends on stage. And it it was funny just watching the, the reaction on social media when they were trying to convince people to pay them $20 a month <laughs> when everything else is at $10. Yeah, I don't think they had thought it through it's interesting so music subscription services now uh the market right now there's about 40 million people worldwide paying for a monthly music subscription uh, like you're saying spotify number one with 20 million apple uh number two at six and a half million which seems like a big gap but keep in mind apple's only been in the game since june yeah uh, and on top of that apple has on file uh over 875 million credit cards from their customers mm -hmm. that is a huge target audience for them so all they have to do is convince, you know, a small percentage of their customers to go over to Apple Music, and it'll happen over time. Yeah, and what they really try to do is they get you to try the free version. Spotify does this brilliantly. They'll be like, you can get three months of uh, Spotify Premium for a dollar. Yeah. Because they know once you get used to it, once you can't you, go back. Once you drink the goodness. Exactly. Well, I was in Toronto a couple weeks ago, and I visited the Google office. Yeah. And they gave me a three-month Spotify membership. And so I, I activated it, and now I'm like... You're hooked. I'm, I don't know if I can go back now. <laughs> it's just so good. I'm, I'm hooked on Apple Music. I am totally hooked because in our family, our world is kind of Apple. Everyone's got iPhones and iPads, and it just blends in. I've got the family plan. For 15 bucks a month, I get six licenses, and so it's just perfect. I can, save a truckload. Can you listen to music offline? With yeah. Apple Music? Yeah, yeah. You yeah, can it save it right it to your, your iPhone. iPhone. Yeah, Spotify does that as well yeah. on the premium. I've been do using that a lot now too. I just find it more of a seamless experience though because I'm already in that Apple ecosystem, so everything just kind of works and, smoothly. And, and Sonos, does that work? Well, I have a Sonos music system at home that's like a wireless music system for your house. Yeah. No, not yet. Ah. So that's the downside. They do say by the end of December it'll be working. So I can wait a month. I have a wireless uh, multi-room system as well. Yeah. But that's from Supertooth. It's kind of like an unknown company from, from, from France. Yeah. And it just uses Bluetooth. Those speakers are nice, though. It, they're nice. Yeah. And you know what? Having multi-room speaker systems, because I've been to your house, and I, I was always jealous because yeah. I'm like, I'm walking room to room, and the music's everywhere. It was such a great experience, and I think we're going to see more and more people do that in the, in the coming weeks. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about coding for kids and why you should be interested in that. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here in studio today. We're also broadcasting on Periscope at Get Connected Now. You can download the Periscope app for your iPhone or Android phones or tablets, and also you can search for us uh, through your web browser at Get Connected Now, and you can see us live in video. It's kind of fun. 
I think the best part is that we use the microphone stand as um, we, we, we pretty much put your... We jimmied uh, my smartphone into one of the micro, uh, microphone stands. MacGyver would be very proud. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Andy, the contest this week. We've got a fabulous contest. And for your Periscope users, after the break, I'm going to show it to you because I brought it in studio. We're giving away the Logix Piston Power Slim. This is an external battery pack for your smartphone. It's great, especially late at night when people's um, phones are dying. Yeah. And you, can, you pull one of these out, you make a lot of friends because everybody wants to plug in and, <laughs> and charge their phone. That's how I... You know what's sad? I forget mine all the time. I know. But you know why? Because typically they've been too big. Yes. But this one's nice. This one slim. is very slim. It's only seven millimeters thick. Um, if you, if you're, go, go on Periscope. Uh, in the next break, I will show it to you just how thin this thing is. And so you can carry it with you all the time. You'll never run out of power. Go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Dot com to enter and win the Logix Piston Power Slim. So I want to talk uh, now about something interesting for uh, the kids, the youth out there. Uh, some interesting stats here uh, that Microsoft's uh, you know provided to us. Uh, you know, with unemployment with Canadian youth uh, at an all time high, and that's you know like that around the world really. Uh, the Canadian IT sector, there's a massive skills shortage. They say by 2019. Uh, that skill shortage will reach about 182,000 people, which is, is just huge. Uh, Microsoft's launching something called the uh, hashtag co-generation movement. This is to inspire uh, young people to get out there and learn how to code. And obviously, you know, if you can get into that coding, programming, uh, there's a lot of job opportunities. And those are typically high-skill jobs uh, as well that uh, uh, I think the economy definitely wants. On the line right now, we've uh, got uh, a guest. Uh, his name is Brian Aspinall. He's an elementary school teacher over in Ontario. Thanks for joining us today, Brian. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Appreciate you uh, coming on the line here. Uh, so this is kind of interesting, uh, and and you're actually a teacher, and you're teaching this in, in your school? Yeah, uh, we use principles of computer science and, and principles of coding to support our numeracy and our literacy programs at the moment. And... And how many kids are involved with this in your school? Uh, our school is 500 plus, and uh, we've, we've tried it in, in every division from primary to junior to intermediate. And, and you're actually getting primary school kids to do this as well? Absolutely. We, we've had primary school children try principles of coding, um, you know, without using technology, actually. We, uh, we have teachers that can create pseudo languages with their students using math terms. Uh, and, you know, have students pair up and, and they can code their friend bot to move around an obstacle course in the classroom. It's kind of funny. You can learn to read, write, and code all at the same time <laughs> in elementary all school. All at the same time. That's right. Brian, what, what kind of a coding languages are you teaching them? Uh, we use, uh, primarily we use block code just because we don't want our students to get frustrated on syntax. Um, and there's a whole slew of, of block code apps available. Uh, Touch Develop is awesome because it has block code and it also has the ability to add syntax in as well for some of our students that, you know, want to go that extra step. How difficult is it for them to learn this? Oh, it's not difficult at all. These kids, you know, we call them digital natives. They, they, they're growing up in this world and, uh, you know, they're manipulating technology all the time. So just providing them with these tools, uh, it's, it's very powerful to watch teachers and students learn alongside each other. You're obviously very passionate about this. Why, why are you involved? Uh, I'm involved. I'm very passionate about coding. I think that coding is about logical reasoning um, you know, and problem solving and thinking about solutions um, in a different lens. And I think we need to provide some exposure to our students because they, 
you know, many of our students don't know if they like coding or computer science because they don't have the exposure quite yet. It, it is really important, you know, you look at the Canadian economy and uh, really, you know, I think the opportunity for Canada is moving more into the knowledge economy where we can actually, uh, you know, provide some of these more high-skilled jobs and, and obviously getting the kids interested this, in this type of thing at an early age would really give them a benefit. Yeah, definitely. I think it's important that we encourage our youth today to, you know, not only use technology, but look at, at ways to create it and, and use it to make some really powerful applications. Are there any other resources online that kids can start looking at, uh, you know, to, to get involved with this? Absolutely. Uh, definitely check out codegeneration.ca. Um, head over to code.org as well. There's a lot of resources on there. Thanks again for joining us today. Uh, fascinating stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That was uh, Brian Aspinall. He's an elementary school teacher uh, over in uh, Chatham, Ontario. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, you can get more information if you're interested in getting your kids involved in something like that. And I definitely recommend it. It's a fantastic skill to start learning. Uh, www.codegeneration.ca. Uh, Microsoft's also uh, hosting free Hour of Code workshops at select uh, Microsoft stores across Canada as well uh, in support of code.org. So you can check that out. When we come back from the break, we're going open line, taking your calls and questions. The number is 604-280-9898. Long distance, toll-free anywhere in North America, 1-877-399-9898. When we come back, your calls. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here in studio. We're going to go open line now, taking your tech calls and questions. We'll be your on-air tech support if you want buying advice especially for this holiday season. And yes, unfortunately, it is holiday season. Uh, lots of great uh, gear out there. We can give you uh, advice on what to get and what not to get. 604-280-9898. And anywhere in uh, North America, one 877 We will take your calls. Uh, just got an iPad Pro into the office. I haven't got there yet to try it out. But really? I'm excited. It's there. Apparently. Well, we should go there after the show. <laughs> Get our geek on. Yeah, so um, Apple's come out with a new iPad Pro. It's uh, their giant-sized iPad. So it's a 12.9-inch screen on mm-hmm. it. So it's almost like two iPads in one and really aimed more for uh, creative and, and professional uses. Did it come with the pencil? Not yet. Not yet? No. That I want to try. But <laughs> soon we have to go head-to-head with the iPad Pro yes. and the Microsoft Surface Pro 4. Yeah. Because they, it, it, Apple took a lot of um, ideas, let's say, from, from what Microsoft was doing with the Surface Pro 4. And I had a chance to look at all the Surfaces together. It's only been around for like three years. Yes. You should see how much innovation has happened in just a short period of time. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, the, the original one, I never really liked it. But this new one, it's fantastic. And the fact that so it's it, like half tablet, half laptop. It is, and yeah. and and it also comes with a stylus that's very very powerful, and what's it, it's like we almost have to interact differently now with our computers because there's so much ways you could type, you could use a mouse, you could use your finger on the screen, or you could use this stylus. And now Cortana is available in Canada, so now you can talk. To, that's five different ways you can interact with your PC. Yeah, I wonder um, how that's all going to shape up in the next 10 years. Like, what's going to be the dominant way that we interact with these things? Well, a lot of people are still mouse and keyboard. Yeah, because they're used to it, right? Exactly. And even, like, guys like us, I'm trying to change. I'm trying to use more voice features because I think that's the future. But it's really changing our behaviors is what we have to do. 
The phone lines again. We're taking your tech calls, 604-280-9898. We're going to jump here to Jim. Hey, Jim. Yes, I'm calling regarding, okay, all these uh, services that offer the music. Yeah. How do they break down the, uh, if I'm looking for an artist or, say, the top albums of XYZ at that um, year, can I record them in order? Record? You want to record the music service? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So typically these music services are subscription-based. You pay like 10 bucks a month. Um, and from there, you've got really access to millions of songs. Uh, you know, as far as recording them, um, there's no real way to record them. A lot of them will let you um, load them onto your uh, your iPhone or Android phone so that you can listen to them offline so that even if you don't have an Internet connection, they're still there. Uh, but once that subscription's up, they're gone, Yes, essentially. So it's like you really don't have a like an actual file. It, you're almost like renting it. Yes, that's probably the best way to to uh, explain. It. I remember when being a, like when I was a kid, I would have my little tape machine and I would listen to radio, and I would just press record when my favorite song came on and yes. try to make my own tapes. Those days are long gone. No, but they, uh, they sure are. But uh, yeah, and, and if you want to own your music, then you best buy your music like through iTunes or the Google Play Store. Yeah, you can still buy music um, and have and own that file. But uh, with the way that the sub- subscription services are working, is they're they're basically just streaming it onto your device, and you can do, like you said, the offline modes. Say you're, um, you don't want to use your internet to stream that. Yeah. Say you're going for a walk, uh, you want to listen to your favorite album. You can do that, which is kind of cool. and just downloads it, but it's all inside that app, so yeah. you're not going to be able and to... And once you stop paying that monthly subscription... It's gone. It's gone, Yeah. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So that's a good uh, analogy there. You're kind of renting the music. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, a lot of people don't like that, but at the same time, it's 10 bucks a month. Yeah, um, it's pretty good deal having access to every song you can possibly think of, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, and because you know, in the old days, if you wanted a CD, how much was it? Twenty bucks. Yeah, it, it's amazing. I, I sometimes on Spotify, I, I come up with like an obscure song that I remember, and I just search it, and there it is. And I love the playlist features as well. Yeah, because you can, they have these curated playlists of different genre of music, and you yep. can just play it all day long. But, Jim, you know, if you also have old CD collections, uh, you can actually uh, bring those into your computer yep. uh, and store them there. Uh, you know, most Macs and uh, Windows uh, machines will allow you to what's called rip them, mm-hmm. uh, essentially um, save them in a digital format. Uh, come this Monday, if you tune into Global uh, Morning News in BC here, uh, I'm going to be talking with Steve Darling. I think I'm on around 8.15 in the morning. Uh, I'm going to be showing a, a record turntable. Yes. Uh, that hooks into your laptop or your uh, computer and allows you to take your old records and record them right into it so you can save them digitally, which is kind of neat. It, it is, and because I think a lot of people, and I didn't know how many records you had, you were bringing some in the office, just crates and crates of Oh, them. my God, yeah. Tons. And, and uh, they, they just still have a certain sound to it, yeah. right? A very warm sound. And a lot of people complain that about music these days. It's too digital. It's too perfect. It's like... You know, it's it's like bubble gum. But whereas, whereas the old records had this kind of warm sound, and you know, dropping that needle and hearing that little <laughs> the hiss, that little hiss. Uh, yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna see that, uh, check out my global news segment with Steve Erling uh, Monday morning at uh, around eight fifteen. Uh, I'll be showing off this turntable. It's got a USB connection, so you can hook it into your computer, and it's got a built-in speaker as well, so you can just listen to music. I'm curious on what record you're gonna play. Uh, you'll be uh, you'll <laughs> better be good. <laughs> We're taking your calls and questions here. We're open line on Get Connected, 
604-280-9898. Long distance across North America, toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. Going to jump here to Diana. Hey, Diana. Oh, hi, good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I have a music question, actually. Oh, great. On topic. Yes. <laughs> I have an MP3 player in my vehicle. Yes. And I'm trying to burn, well, I've been burning CDs. Yes. Like my music in Apple onto the CD. Yeah. As first I tried MP3 yeah. files, and that didn't work. It didn't work in my vehicle. Oh. I put the CDs in, and it says uh, track one, and then it goes error, and oh. it ejects it. Okay. So then I tried wave yeah. files, and that didn't work. No. They don't take that. So no. I'm wondering, is there a solution to this? Is there something wrong? Uh, yeah. So does, does your car actually on the stereo say MP3 somewhere? Pardon me? Uh, in your car stereo, does it say on the stereo itself, MP3? Or... Oh, in my car manual, it yeah. says it's an MP3 player. Oh, that's uh, interesting. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're right. What you should be able to do is record these MP3s right onto a CD. And the advantage there is that you can hold literally a few hundred of them yeah. onto that CD because they're just in, in a compressed format. So um, a lot of the car stereos out there uh, can play those, but... It sounds like uh, Diana's not working. Any yeah, thoughts there? Yeah, you know what? It could be the media that you're using because there's CDs, like they call them CDRW, yeah. and then there's DVDs. Yeah. And both of them you can put data on, like MP3s, yeah. but maybe you're burning it on a DVD and your, your vehicle is actually looking for the CDRW type yeah. of, of media. I, I would also... Um, Maybe look at uh, trying a different software. You're probably doing iTunes right now to do it. Mm-hmm. It should be working through there, but uh, you know you can download lots of free um, burning softwares um, and just see if that would work instead. Yes, essentially, uh, cars won't typically read the WAV files. They're either going to read the regular CD format or MP3s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like you're doing it right, but there's something not happening. There. Yeah, so just check the media and maybe in the manual. Make sure C- it's a CD. Yeah, yeah. CDRW is what you want. Yeah. And uh, also uh, try a different software program to burn an MP3 disc and see if that works. Nero is another one that you could try. Um, I think they have a free service as well, a free version. We're going to have to take another break. When we come back, more of your calls. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here in studio. Don't forget we're uh, periscoping the show live that's the video streaming app from Twitter. You can download it free on your iPhone or Android phone or tablets. And you can find us at Get Connected Now, even through your uh, PC or laptop or Mac. going to jump to the phone lines here again, uh, Andy. 604-280-9898. We've got Elaine. Hey, Elaine. Hi there. I have a Nexus tablet, which I use infrequently because I have a desk, uh, laptop. But I recently seemingly got hacked in my Gmail. Uh-oh. And everybody says, change your password. Well, on Google, Gmail, you cannot um, close on a, on the tablet. So it basically is always open. Is there a fix for that? Andy, thoughts? Well, what you could do is on your laptop, you can change your password um, for that. There, there is a way to log because the Nexus and it's running on Android, it, everything works from your Gmail account. Yeah. That's really your profile to log into to YouTube and all the other ser- Google services. But you would essentially want to log out of that. You could even, you know, if you, if you don't have many uh, apps installed, you could even do a hard reset and then reinstall everything. And it's going to ask, what is your Gmail um, email and password? Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, if if you do get hacked um, on Gmail, you definitely want to. Can't you just log out of? Out you of should it? be able to. I. It's hard. I can't. I'm trying to visualize it in my head where exactly it is. Yeah. But it is in the settings. There is a profile um, section where you can log out. And then if she logs in again, it'll ask for the new password that she's hopefully reset from her laptop. Now, to prevent that from happening again, they have Google has what's called two-step authentication to ver- essentially verify that you are who you are. So what it'll do is it will send you a text to your phone, and then from there you get a little code, and then you punch that in. And it basically it prevents people from trying to uh, get into your passwords. And I, I recommend everybody to use the, the two-step uh, authentication uh, verification features that uh, are coming out for security. So again, uh, go into the settings, log out, and log in again uh, after you've changed the password on your laptop. Yeah, do it on your laptop and then and then log back in yeah. on your Nexus. And if Nexus. it uh, doesn't work, you can always reset the whole thing and start from scratch, Yeah, essentially. I'm going to jump here to uh, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, uh, it, it is me, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, great. Um, I had a question. I've, I'm vision impaired and use a screen reading program. Yep. And uh, I bought a uh, turntable to plug into the USB port in my computer so that I could uh, digitize my, L- my vinyl at records. Very cool. Uh, the trouble is that uh, when I plug in the uh, turntable, it shuts off all the other sounds, including my screen reader program, oh, and no. therefore I can't work the program to digitize my records. Because you can't see <laughs> I can't see the screen, yeah. and it shuts down my screen reader that basically puts synthetic speech through the speakers. Ah. I'm wondering if you had any ideas on how to circumvent that problem. That is an excellent question. So what's happening? Uh, you know, So typically your computer's got uh, a sound card that it uses to play and, and capture uh, audio. So he's plugging in this turntable, and it's basically taking that over and cutting off all the other stuff, including his screen reader, mm-hmm. which he needs to actually have stuff read out to him. Yeah. I don't have a quick answer for you on that, Mike. We're going to have to uh, take that one away. Uh, we'll get your name and uh, phone number uh, from our control operator yeah, and you know, see. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, what you could try to do is you can get these like audio interfaces, which essentially is like an external sound card. Yeah. And I wonder if you go into that directly from the turntable, that might be able to solve the problem. But it's really what what that turntable wants to do is take over your audio card. Yeah. To um, to help you digitize everything, but I don't think you can use two audio. Yeah, um, which is not great for the visually impaired who need the screen reader. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, Mike, we don't have a quick answer for that. We'll get your name and number and see if we can find an answer uh, uh, offline for you. On that note, we're going to have to take one more break. When we come back, a few more of your calls. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by our friends at London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here. We're going to take one more call. We've got Jason on the line. Hey, Jason. Hey there. Just wondering if you guys had heard about a Vancouver-based tech company called General Harmonics and kind of what their outlook was. No. What, what are they about? Uh, I've got some stock with them, but supposedly they're, they're working on or have been working on for quite a few years about, uh, I guess, compression of files is the wrong way to call it, but a whole new way of kind of streaming music. They're, they're claiming they're going to be able to stream uh, music files at CD quality at like one twentieth the size of current MP3s. Well, I think that would be appealing to a lot of the subscription services out there. I mean, that's uh, the big thing with streaming any of these types of files, whether video or or music for that matter, is just how big those files are and how much they can compress them or whatever kind of methods they have to get them get them to the end user in the smallest 
amount of uh, of bandwidth, essentially. Yeah, I was just wondering if you guys had heard anything on kind of the buzz about them or anything like that. No, I I'm, I'm going to have to look into that, Jason. That's uh, interesting. I mean, there's a number of companies out there that are trying to find better compression methods or other methods to to get those files uh, quickly and and smaller. Because you got to remember, like it's, this is digital, so it's just a bunch of zeros and ones. Yeah, and if there's some way to make that even smaller, and then when it gets to the end user, it kind of opens back up. Kind of like, number Zip? Yep. Remember Zip and... WinZip. And WinZip? Yeah. That was a great little software program, and I, a lot of people still use it today, right? And uh, if we can kind of take that kind of technology and use it for the streaming, because you know what's interesting is that we were testing out some new Wi-Fi cameras that are coming on the market, Yeah. and these ones are doing like 1080p video, and uh, AJ... Like high def. AJ, other um, host there on Get Connected... He got one set up, and but he's like, my data bills are going through the roof, yeah. and I was like, it's because you're streaming now 1080p video on your on your phone, and uh, I would love to see some type of com- compression for the video side because so many people are watching videos on their mobile device, just streaming it, like using Netflix and Show Me, but it eats your data if you're not on a Wi-Fi network, even. Periscope, what we're doing right now, eats up a lot of data because that's a, a video feed. Well, that's the interesting thing about uh, you know these 4K ultra high definition televisions yes. that uh, all the manufacturers are desperately trying to get us to upgrade to to sell us. Uh, the challenge is the content. Again, there's not a lot of that high definition 4K ultra HD content, and the reason is because it eats up a lot of bandwidth. Yes, because a lot of people are streaming it through Netflix. Uh, YouTube's also offering some of this content, but it will eat up your your data plans. Yes, uh, you know a lot of people still have caps on how much data they can download through their internet service provider, and you will blow through that in in like no time. And so, what the carriers are doing now is they want you they want us get 4K content on television. They're using sports, live yes. sports, as the first one. So Rogers, and I think we had him on the show a couple weeks ago, where they have like a like crazy data plans because yeah, they, unlimited they've gone unlimited unlimited data plans you're paying you're paying like 100 bucks though a month 150 almost i yeah, think depending what you go with yeah and then you can actually stream 4k live sports cuz especially with the blue jays run they really want to push that for next year it's so funny cuz so many people uh, want to cut the cord they want to cut their cable um, yep. bills their subscriptions uh, i guess what they don't realize is as they go online to get their content they're eating up more data, yeah. and so their internet bills are going to be going up. Yes. Make no mistake; these these providers need to make that money somehow, yeah. and so it's up and down, right? So if they have less cable subscribers, uh, they're going to get more money on the internet side because you're going to be using more of that. Or or subscription services like yes. Netflix, like Netflix can go. Oh, we're going to do a price increase one dollar. Nobody complains because they're they already think they're getting a good deal. Yeah. But that's going to start adding up. You know, you're going to have a Netflix subscription, a Show Me subscription, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an HBO subscription. Plus, your internet basic bill is going to go up because you're streaming more of that stuff. Yes. So people are thinking, and maybe in the short term they might be saving a bit of money. But I'm telling you, in five years, it's going to equal out. Yeah. Because you're going to be paying more for these subscription services and the extra internet data that you're using. So instead of like your traditional cable bill. So you're cable, just, cable is like, and you know, it's a fantastic deal it, when you think about for it. the amount of content you're exactly, getting. Exactly, exactly. But if we're going to start picking what kind of content we want, we're still going to end up paying for it because there's got to be a business model for, to make TV shows. So it's it's going to happen one way or another. So all the time we have left, I want to thank the Get Connected team. Of course, Andy Barrar, my co-host and producer, Amila on the controls, uh, and the rest of the team back at the office. 
Mike and Andy logging off. We'll see you again next time.